I'm David Nacht and welcome to the final Eurovision Sports Radio podcast for 2020. This has been a challenging year for all of us. And whilst it's important to keep sport in context, I want to take one last look at how broadcasters have excelled in their coverage over the past nine months. In this episode, I want to rewind to October of this year and hear some of the stories shared by colleagues at the annual Eurovision Sport Radio Plenary. Let's start with the UEFA Champions League Final 8 in Portugal. Here's how the final match was covered on air. The Champions League finale between Bayern München and Paris Saint-Germain. Muito bem, vai começar esta final da Liga dos Campeões aqui em Lisboa. E a final de la Champions League, senhoras e senhores. PSG Bayern Munich, c'est la finale. C'est la finale de la Copa des Campeões. Es ist einer dieser historischen Abenden. The teams kick off behind closed doors. Rechte Seite mit Gnabry in die Mitte. Verlängerung von äh, Müller. Chipball von Kimmich. Kopfball zu der Tor. Für die Tête de Comat. Le but. L'ouverture. Für Kingsley Comat. Kingsley. Kuhmann. La Tête de but. Le but pour le Bayern. Bayern take the lead through Kingsley Coman. Et le but de Kingsley Coman. Most commentary was done off-tube with limited staff on site. But for journalists who did travel, what was the experience like? Taufik Khalil was on site in Lisbon for Germany's ARD. I was very happy. I was a lucky guy from Germany. I think uh, for a lot of people, I was maybe the most hated man in Germany because uh, while I was there, ARD, German radio, um, where we we sent two guys over, one following Leipzig and me following Bayern, uh, having the best eight teams in Europe in one city. For me, it it was great. It is uh, something uh, you should really consider to, to, to keep it because it was fantastic. The bad side, having the best eight teams in Europe, big clubs, and no fans in a beautiful city like Lisbon is spooky. It was every day I was there, they had on, on the Prussia Dom Pedro in the center, they had this huge Champions League trophy, 10 meters uh, high. And uh, well, some people were running around there, but but not, not what you expect. Maybe 10 fans from Paris, five from Bayern. That's it before a Champions League final. That, that was so sad. Around the stadium, UEFA did quite a good job, but it was all tough. It was tough to find your way inside the stadium. There were no signs where to get in. Everything was restricted. Uh, You have to be careful where to get in. Every morning, you need to get an email from UEFA, and this email told you uh, you have to fill online and uh, you have to get your medical information. And when you get that email... You were happy because you were on the list for the people who were supposed to enter the stadium on that day. I remember one day before the final, I was I didn't get that email. So I really get nervous. Finally, uh, we managed to get it. And then inside the stadium, the same, running around, people who didn't know the way, where to go. You were carrying because you were all on yourself. There were no t- technicians along with you. So I was not only the reporter, I was my own technician. So I was carrying a lot of heavy uh, stuff around the stadium. And then the one guy sent me over there, the next guy sent me over there. Uh, After hours uh, of climbing stairs and climbing down again, you found your spot and then you were there in an empty stadium, the Champions League final for me 
crazy. And you know, when you, when you cheer, everybody listens to you. So when we had this special match against Barcelona, which for me was the highlight of this uh, three matches, the guys from, from Catalonia Radio, they were all sitting behind me. And before the match, they all started to warm up. And they do that very loud. And they start and say, go, 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 Messi, Messi, go, go, go. And I told them, hey, the match has not even been started. Wait. And then during the match, it was me who was who was saying Tor! for Bayern. And I said it eight times. And, uh, well, it was quite funny because, you know, you knew everybody could listen to you. You said you, you did a one-man show, but this is not how you would normally have covered a Champions League final, especially one featuring uh, Bayern Munich. No. Uh, say we go to London, uh, we had a team there of about, what, I don't know, eight, nine, ten people, technicians uh, taking care. When you get into the stadium, everything is set up. You have two um, reporters who do the 90 minutes. You will have one who does like me, who do the different stations within the ARD. Um, you have a lot of people. And at that special uh, night in London, we had more people because it was two German sites. If that would buy on against Paris in Lisbon, without Corona, I would say there would be at least um, five people, three mm -hmm. reporters, one story guy, and, and at least one technician. What, what we would like to do from Bayerischer Rundfunk, um, because we were in charge of the reporting, we would have liked to send two more reporters into Lisbon who do the 90 minutes full coverage. But uh, UEFA restricted that and um, they had to stay in Munich and they did it off tube from, from our studio. Of course, it would have been nicer for them. They were sitting there in front of a small screen and doing a Champions League final. You, you hear my colleague, Andre Ziems, and he was the guy in German who did that. And he did it very well off tube, but he said that it felt strange. And so, yeah, I think it, if, especially when it's your team, when there's a German side, you want, you want that three guys inside the stadium. My thanks to Taufi from ARD. Another sporting great that wasn't going to be defeated by Corona was the Tour de France. It was covered on site by the likes of Radio France, who were the official broadcaster, as well as RTS in Switzerland, Czech Radio and RTV in Slovenia. Tour de France, mesures sanitaires, une question d'image. C'est votre commentaire, Patrick Deletron. Le Tour devait se dérouler pour de très bonnes raisons. Des mesures sanitaires ont été décidées, certaines sont logiques, comme la bulle dans laquelle vivent les coureurs. Le contact avec l'extérieur en dehors de la course est plus que plus. Les France, on l'a dit, il est très particulier. Quel impact sur votre organisation de travail Pour nous, c'est le fait de ne plus aller, euh, d'aller en fond de ligne, ce qu'on appelle donc juste à l'arrivée, et de, là d'aller à la rencontre des coureurs qui, qui finissent bah, des étapes de Posledoval ve Francii i náš reportér František Kuna, teď ve vysílání. Dobrý den. Příjemný večer. Tak jak to vypadá? Pojede Roglič ve žlutém do Paříže nebo ne? Nepojede. Celý cyklistický svět si troufnu říct, že je v šoku, protože Tadej Pogačar zvládl v časovce stáhnout minutovou ztrátu na Rogliče. A ještě... Za kručku današní etapy, ale Roglič, ale Chirč, ale Pogačar je na koncu zmagovalec. Prvo in drugo město za slovenská kolesária Tudy... Roglič je na koncu za centimetre premagal Marka Hiršija, ki ni imel torej Let's start off with uh, Jérôme Cadet, the editor-in-chief at uh, Radio France. Hello, Jérôme. Hello. It was a huge operation. Huh? You're the, the official radio of the Tour de France as well, Radio France. How many uh, people did you have covering the event? Uh, six journalists, uh, more technicians, I think uh, 20 
25 person on the wall Tour de France, but uh, more uh, on Nice for the start because uh, France Info make a special edition during two days. So maybe 10 persons from uh, France Info were there. And then uh, all days, each uh, station of France Bleu send a journalist uh, there. Uh, so um, more than 25 if we make the whole balance in all the tour. And what was the experience for you like in general? How, how did you experience this Tour de France? It was difficult to, to work, of course, but uh, the feeling in the team was very good. Uh, you are living all together during one month, uh, traveling in the country, eating in restaurants, moving each day. So a lot of risks with uh, COVID, but the feeling and the relationship between the members of the team was good. And that was uh, my first point. Uh, and the second point was to work to uh, uh, interview uh, the riders. And it was possible. It was difficult. We have to. Uh, uh, go to the mix zone and not to the bus like before. Uh, cycling is a world where freedom is uh, very strong. You can uh, uh, go and see uh, riders at the hotel or uh, where you want. It was not the case on the Tour de France, but it was not like in uh, Lisbon. Uh, we can uh, see uh, with uh, material and with uh, social distances we can see uh, the riders. It was not possible uh, for the for football, so uh, it was a good balance for for us. You said it, it was difficult, of course, to cover this event. What was the greatest difficulty, the greatest challenge you you had to tackle? The challenge was to have access to the riders, to feel the the, the race. Uh, when you have exchange with the with the riders, you know how they feel into the race, and it was uh, more difficult uh, this year because we have to uh, to make sound and um, the riders are very good to express their feeling they use good words good expressions um, and that was a sort of frustration for us but i think uh, we, we realize and we uh, we succeed in um, in that purpose i heard from aso two weeks ago in the sports assembly that they're thinking of maintaining this mixed zone setup that they've created at the start and the end of at each stage is that something that you as a radio would agree with or would you in post-covid times rather go back to the freedom being around the buses waiting for the riders when they cross cross the finish line if we stay in covid times uh, this mixed zone is better than nothing and it is better than other sports you know uh, and cycling is better for us now uh, than other sports. But if we consider non-COVID times, of course, uh, it will be a fate for everyone, for us, but uh, above all for cycling, because the, the exception of cycling is the, the fact that you're near, near the riders. It's uh, the case for the journalists, but for the fans. Uh, the fans need to be on the road, uh, near the road, and maybe cycling could lose uh, a lot in that decision. Okay, thank you, Giro. Uh, radio France obviously wasn't the only uh, radio on site covering the Tour de France. Swiss radio, RTS, was there as well. And I think we have Patrick Deltro with us. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Hello, Patrick. Uh, what was it like for you? I understand it was a, a last-minute confirmation for you to, to actually cover the, the event on site. We got the Tour de France on the Wednesday, Tuesday evening, my, my boss said, okay. 
you can go. <laughs> so we have all the all the all the of the hotels, all the all the organizations was made, but uh, but we don't know if you if we we can go. And how many did you actually send to the to the France, and what was the experience like for you? I was uh, alone with a technician, and uh, I, I do the half of the Tour de France, and another journalist the second the second part, and I think uh, it was like uh, Jerome said, it was possible to work. Uh, the mixed zone is something that is not very very good because there was a, a strict uh, process. We have a box for us only and that's not possible normally the riders have to do one interview a second one so on in each box and it's not possible so we 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 we, we fight sometimes with the organization to say okay we have uh, we have hold the, the microphone we are treating the box where is the problem we have all the masks and the rider had had the mask and uh, we can do only one interview and not three uh, three interview it's better for 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 the riders uh, what is uh, special uh, too is that we have more to work with the press officer uh, to to have some interviews maybe uh, late at night uh, with uh, with uh, whatsapp or, or something uh, something like that that's sometimes good because we have a good relation but uh it's it's a problem it's a problem we, we don't have this uh, uh the, 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 this free possibility to access to the to to the riders like said uh, jerome and uh, another problem because um, i i read uh, yesterday the specific uh, organization of the fees the international uh, ski federation for the the winter and i found in the in these papers they say all microphones should have a plastic cover over the form that is replaced after each interview. The Tour de France, uh, it, it, was, it was so in the, the Tour de France, and it's just impossible for organizational reason. And I, uh, I know that uh, a virus don't uh, jump from the microphone to the, to the, to, to the face. No. And uh, I say at the defense, I send an email at the FIS, and I say, I say that, and five minutes later, an answer, okay, thank you for this remark. Uh, thank you, we, we, we will uh, change this. And I think it's important for us to talk with the, organi with the organizer, to, to, to say, okay, for our job, uh, we, we can do that. It's impossible to do to do that. Okay, for the mask, okay, for, the, for, for, for all the things, uh, uh, but something, we have to, to, to say to the organizer that it's not possible because they don't know uh, really what, we, what is our work and, uh, and, what, uh, and, and how we can uh, work uh, very well. Thank you, Patrick. You raised some uh, great issues. Finally, to conclude the, the, the part on the Tour de France, we have to invite the winners, of course, Slovenian radio, Val 202, who celebrated the first Slovenian uh, win with Pogacar. And uh, Bostian is with us from uh, Val 202. Uh, it was not my debut, it's second-hand information because Igor Tuminets was there. Igor is right now on his way to Selden. I just um, tried to express his thoughts um, on Tour de France, but it was uh, really great. 
especially because we have two riders uh, in front, not just Pogacar, also Primoz Roglic, who was maybe even um, bigger uh, favorite um, at the very end, but it happens that Pogacar wins the Tour. But it was a yes, great uh, Tour de France for Radio Slovenia. Uh, we were there almost all the time with two or three persons and we managed to do really, really great job on a social. We didn't manage audiograms, we managed uh, videograms. So we get from uh, on-air uh, live coverage uh, uh, from for the commentator and then connected with the videos from sites and that was a really, really great success and it was... Um, in this way, really nice to work because the journalists who were filming with and uh, do it uh, for the uh, social, they were they can get anywhere they want. So the problem was only with uh, mix zones and a little bit with the journalists who managed to do the commentating and uh, who managed to do stories. Igor had some problems uh, also in the press centers. But but um, they already discussed it on site. And uh, it's a new sport, obviously, for Slovenia, relatively new cycling. Uh, what has the feedback been from your audiences on your coverage? Yeah, it was fantastic. We finished it with uh, auction of, with the, for yellow jersey of today, Pogacar. Uh, it stops in 47,000 euros, so it was a great success also with this uh, point of view and uh, we do it uh, for uh, young talents um, it was all around slovenia not just uh, listening on radio also watching the television and uh, especially social this was a really really big moment for us to manage our uh, social video production also all the other uh, things uh, connected with uh, on-air program uh, with the social and um, there was a really really big uh, success and now you know Slovenia has two million people it's a small country and uh, some of those videos uh, manage uh, more, more than 100,000 views so it's a really really big um, audience for the Slovenians from the Slovenian point of view. Thank you to Bostian from RTV Slovenia. After the Tour de France, a lot of the same journalists turned their attention to the UCI World Championships. With quarantine rules in place, some were forced to cover this event off-tube. Here's Fanny Lechevestrier commentating from her apartment for Radio France. Il n'en peut plus, il est cuit, mais il va le faire. Oui, le premier français champion du monde. Il y croit, il a enfin lâché les mains du guidon. Il lève les bras, il se prend la tête entre les mains. Il n'en peut plus, il l'a fait, Julien Lafilippe. Le voilà, le premier champion du monde français depuis 1997. What was it like for you to do this this commentary uh, on a big event with a, a French rider also winning, becoming world champion? Uh, it's complicated uh, uh, at the start. Uh, yeah, you are going to comment a race from your home, but uh, with the help of an engineer of EBU, Eurovision, present at Imola and a technician from Radio France, we remotely first installed the software we needed on my computers on the first computer uh, radio tour and the, on the over the international signal. Um, so uh, along uh, the day, I was about to join the Italian songs uh, from the finish line. Um, it allows to have uh, more serious information as a race and to be a little 
little in the mood of the race. Um, I was also able to record very easily um, the first interview uh, of Julian Alaphilippe of, uh, on the international signal. So um, it's practical. But um, at first it's very complicated and uh, little by little uh, you get caught in the game and at the end... Uh, like you can uh, hear um, with this way, so you forget yes, you, are, you are on the on your coach to comment. Yes, but I think you will agree in, in general it's still better to be on-site uh, in Imola in this case. Why is that the case in cycling? Because somebody could say all you do there is, is watch the screen as well and do commentary, uh, which you did at home as well now. Why, why is it still better to be there where, where the action is happening? To see emotion, to see the first reaction, to I have the screen in my own, but it's different. Um, so we save the race, we save, we've comment the race, but after it's a problem not here, not to be here. What did your neighbors say? Did you get any knock on the door? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say uh, anything after the race. One of the big tennis tournaments that went ahead was Roland Garros. As Pam Melbourne from the BBC explains, they took a hybrid approach to coverage from Paris, with a reporter on site and commentators at home. Obviously, we in the UK uh, have a quarantine rule if we go to France and many other, frankly, every other place it seems in the world at the moment. Um, so we were left in a situation where we had, had the rights we normally send quite a big deployment to Paris. Editorially, it was very significant because of Andy Murray's continued return um, from his long-standing hip injury. We were going to get charged an absolute fortune to receive anything other than the, the main world feed. And unfortunately, British tennis on clay isn't the best. So if we had a situation where Andy Murray was out on the outside court and let's say had a significant issue to his hip again, editorially, we wouldn't be able to see those pictures. So um, with Working Health and Safety and our correspondent, Russell Fuller, um, committed that he was happy to travel to Paris and therefore self-isolate on his return from Paris, which is no small feat, bearing in mind Russell has um, obviously a wife and three children at home. Um, so we took out our usual position on the Philippe Chateret court uh, where Russell went, and that meant that Russell therefore would have access to all of the outside courts in Paris. The rest of the commentary team um, remained in our off-tube that we've built in Salford, where we can have up to four broadcasters. Therefore, we had a strange situation where uh, Russell would commentate from the pictures that he could see, and the team back in Salford were working off the UK television rights holders off-air feed, approximately that was 15 to 20 seconds behind what Russell was actually commentating. Incredibly, they did a brilliant job. We just had to adjust our style. But, um, you know, when you go to Judy Murray to summarise the point that Russell's comment commented just on, you have to appreciate she is just watching that shot live, therefore, and is able to react accordingly. So it worked actually incredibly well. It was a really useful exercise for us because I think it means now in the future that where editorially we feel we should be on site, but we can only send one person, we have now potentially another option. But I just want to stress the reason we went down that route was because financially it was going to be impossible 
for us without Russell agreeing to do that, um, to actually do our usual Roland Garros level of coverage. My thanks to Pan and all of the other contributors to this episode. Our final look at how broadcasters have succeeded in delivering their usual high-quality sports coverage during this pandemic. We'll now draw a line under 2020 and look forward to brighter days in the new year. Wishing all of you a peaceful and hopefully restful Christmas and see you bright and fresh for 2021.